Tonight on Good News, Bad News, we're going to tell you about Freedom Fest. We had a great panel, we met a lot of people, and we had a lot of fun. Welcome to Good News, Bad News, the Libertarian Christian Roundtable, where every other week we challenge the status quo and give you the Libertarian Christian analysis of what's happening in your world. Welcome to Good News, Bad News, the Libertarian Christian Roundtable, brought to you by the Libertarian Christian Institute. I'm Dr. Norman Horn. With me today, I got Kerry Baldwin, I got Aaron Cuevas, and I have Matthew Bellis. Uh, guys, we are here today to tell you a little bit about what we did last week, where we were at the legendary Freedom Fest, uh, which was, is a annual event held uh, by, well, I guess the, the Freedom Fest, Inc., or whatnot, but it's kind of the trade show for liberty. So we were there as the Libertarian Christian Institute. We had a table. We had a panel discussion. We met a ton of people. We gave away some books, and we had a lot of fun while we were doing it. Uh, guys, we're going to just kind of reflect upon all the things we did while we were at Freedom Fest. And so uh, I guess who wants to kind of lead off here with uh, kind of the uh, summary of the especially the panel discussion that we did. Carrie, you want to kind of lead us in with that? Yeah. So the panel discussion was, uh, I'd say interesting, a little bit, um, a little bit unexpected. I think we were planning <laughs> on hearing a little bit more uh, about, you know, questions concerning Dobbs and, and abortion and what happens now. Um, and we, we really didn't get that. Um, I do think that we had, um, our, our breakout session, I think, was much more successful than others just because yeah. of Matthew getting the audience involved. He had a great a great plan for that, executed it really well. Um, we had engagement from the audience, lots of really great questions. And uh, I'd say the questions were much more along the lines of, you know, that those, those basic questions of, you know, how is, how is a Christian a libertarian? How do you, how do you square that circle? Well, uh, and it's interesting too to kind of note that the concern and like the the kind of overarching concern that people had, and and I guess maybe we should back up for a second and kind of well, it's, what were the details of this breakout session that you did on some level? So let's let's just right. let's just kind of back up and say what that was. So we first of all we called it we titled it after our book, Faith Seeking Freedom, and it was uh, making a about making the case for a free society from a Christian point of view. And so we did this with in a panel discussion format. We had uh, myself, Carrie, Aaron, and Doug, Doug Stewart, the CEO uh, of LCI, on the as the kind of discussants on the panel, panelists. And then Matthew was our uh, our moderator. And so he he kind of took the yeah he's uh, he's having some microphone issues, so he will be uh, miming most of his interactions here tonight. <laughs> but. But uh, which, but that is not what he did when he. Although it would have been funny if you had been a, a mime moderator. Maybe we'll try that <laughs> no. next year. Hmm. I like it. Uh, <laughs> but he, he kind of did the. Uh, he called it the, the Donahue method. Um, for for those of you who are all uh, older than us, will know what Donahue is. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> probably you'll be more like the rest of us and not know much about Donahue. No, but the idea just to really you know, bring the mic into the, into the audience and, uh, and, and kind of spur on discussion that way. So that, and, and Norman, that if, yeah, just, just one, just one input. Um, yeah. if you're early return, you must have seen Milton Friedman on Donahue. Oh yeah. That's, that's right. That is somewhat required viewing. I guess that's true. And there's some, that was a, that, that's a legendary interview. That is true. <laughs> but 
I think we did have a really interesting interactive effect, um, very different than any of the panel discussions that I ended up in otherwise, uh, which was which was pretty pretty cool, pretty cool. Uh, so uh, it did seem interesting as well that really that the the overarching interest was one of like how do we like how do we communicate these values to our Christian and even non-Christian compatriots, especially in the face of a rising you know, polarization of leftists and right and right leaning people as well. Aaron, what did you kind of observe from your point of view uh, throughout the throughout the, the panel discussion? Well, well, where do I start? <laughs> um, I answered. I was very happy that in that I was able to summarize a lot of my ideas because I usually take long to, <laughs> to express myself. Yes, as I'm yes. doing right now. Uh, and but I did hit points that I think some people profited from it, and that was uh, that that did bring me tons and tons of joy. That I did notice that it did resonate with people. Um, one of the I guess the summary that I can do by reading lots and lots of uh, Robert Nisbet was and Hayek. That's kind of like my that makes sure is my 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 political outlook, if you wish. Uh, it will be that uh, Christians do have to worry about creating community at the local level and that in itself protects you from the encroachment of the state it protects people around you from the encroachment of the state and it also provides the identity and the memories and the expectations about the future that people need uh, to not fall prey of woke culture since I was able to do that kind of summary I, I it really did hit everything that I wanted it was and I was very impressed that I was able to do it like in like, very very like <laughs> summarized way and 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 there was no imprecision on it which I I, I was very glad that I was able to do so so I well, really did like I really did enjoy it yeah well and it's interesting because yeah there was there's one of the themes of this freedom fest was cancel culture and wokeism the you know the rising tide of that uh and and it, it's interesting to kind of note that there's still you know, despite the fact that maybe it's it's evident to many of you listeners even right now, like what the what some of those prescient issues are, it's still difficult for a lot of people. And I think it's underappreciated, you know, some of the things that Aaron, you brought out with respect to uh, the way in which, you know, wokeism is kind of becoming the replacement religion for many. Um, it's, it was even noted uh, by groups such as Atheists for Liberty, for instance, who happened to be present at, uh, at Freedom Fest that like, well, you know, people identifying as Christian in America is, is like on a downward trend right now. And even Christian, I mean, this is well known if you've been reading any you know, Christianity Today or read any you know, newspaper or looked at Pew Research or whatever. It's just the way it is. Um, so, you know, it's interesting that it's interesting that that is indeed the case. And, uh, and we, we tried to you know, say that, you know, when you have that God-shaped hole, you know, in, in rising amongst us, well, it's going to get replaced by something. And that something is going to be wokeism a lot of times. Yeah, the, 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 way, that I, the way that I explained it, I, I thought it, it actually, and, and actually like it, it, the, my idea kind of like came even, uh, became a little more robust uh, later on uh, with later conversations that um, it is the, diff wokeism is the, it is the culture now because it is the default position. When you're trying to explain a phenomena, usually you have different types of hypotheses, and then if those don't work, then you go to a default one. Uh, the example I gave it was like whenever you have a crisis of identity, you can go through a lot of stuff, but at the end of the day in the 90s, 80s, or whatever, it was always at the end of the day when you were young. Well, 
if it's not your parents, if it's not uh, your relationship with your boyfriend, girlfriend, then more than likely, what about the relationship with God? Uh, today is if you have a problem and you're not totally sure what it is, more than likely the default position now is your sexual identity. Yeah. And, and, and it's a default position already. People don't even have to think through whether it is or it's not. It's just like, okay, I have no explanation. That is the default explanation to all the problems. And so that means that it crowded out the idea of God or Christian culture in the background. So any other observations, Carrie, from your point of view, like kind of either dovetailing off that or things that you noticed that were interesting about about our panel discussion in particular? Yeah, I think um, I think that there were I mean, my impression was after the fact there were Christians in our in in our audience. Right. <clears throat> this was less people coming to see, you know, non-Christians coming to see how we square the circle and more Christians coming to see how we square the circle. Um, and I saw a lot of excitement, um, from, from audience members when they were able to interact with us and, and hear our explanations. Um, because I do think that there are, <clears throat> you do have a growing number of Christians who recognize that there is a problem with the state. There is a problem with culture. Um, the, uh, the moral majority has not been successful in in their endeavor and has in many ways made it worse. And so they are looking for answers. And even one of the questions that we got was, what what do we do? Like what are the what are the practical things that that we can do um, in order to <clears throat> spread this message or help other people, help other Christians understand that they can be libertarians, um, that that's you know that that's not an incongruous idea. Um, so I think, you know, I think even generally we were well-received, I think not just in our breakout session, but by other exhibitors that were there. Um, you know, it wasn't like, oh, there's, there's the Christians over there. They think they can be libertarian. Let's not, <laughs> let's not talk to them. Um, you know, we got, we weren't, we weren't mentioned by our, our group title, but we did get a nod on the reason round table mentioned that, that there were Christian libertarians who were at the event along with the atheist libertarians yeah. or atheists for Liberty. Um, so, and, you know, I even had a, a brief conversation with the, um, um, with the the advocates for decriminalizing sex work oh, yeah. um, and uh yeah i had an interesting conversation with them i think they were a little bit intimidated when i came up and introduced myself as being from the libertarian <laughs> christian institute they're like Ooh. oh um <laughs> but we had a good conversation and and they received me well so um you know, I would say, uh, you know, the the theme of the the theme of the event this year was turning the tide. I think that there's a turning of the tide with how Christians are perceived by libertarians. Um, I think that that's due to a lot of the work that that we've done in demonstrating that you know we're not your typical faith-based political organization, right? Um, we are genuine libertarians. We're genuine Christians, and we can genuinely. Um, you know, show that, that those two things are compatible. Yep. Uh, so Matthew, do you want to have any, have any closing thoughts there, either via your voice or via miming? 
Uh, how's this? Can you guys hear me all right? That's not yeah. bad. That's not bad. Well, not bad. Okay. So hopefully the viewers at home will be okay with being this close to my face. <laughs> Um, but it's interesting, though, that you brought up the, uh, the sex workers for uh, uh, decriminalization of sex work. Uh, and the, you know, we saw, of course, uh, people advocating for the uh, decriminalization of marijuana uh, and also, you know, the atheists for liberty. So all of the stereotypes for libertarians were there. And <laughs> that's, that's kind of the the general thrust of whenever you're talking to somebody about libertarianism, they just think, oh, well, you're a bunch of pot smoking atheists who want to go out and buy prostitutes. And so we were at least able to provide a little bit of a juxtaposition, um, provide some more thought and more um, uh, probably apropos cultural uh, touch points on what we've been kind of discussing and talking about. Frankly, what was most fascinating, I don't know if you actually uh, discussed this or not. But the, the questions that didn't come up in our, uh, our, our breakout panel was discussions about abortion, yeah. uh, which we thought would be the first thing to, to come up. And it just didn't happen. So, excuse me, I'm coming from a non-disclosed location in Washington. So there may be <laughs> giant chests. Yeah, but anyhow. We're on the lookout for drones behind you. Yeah. So. See, this is, this is anti-libertarian country. Yeah. No, um, nobody just walks into Mordor, you know. <laughs> truly the the air here is an acid that burns yeah, up yeah it's, it's a poison yeah, so um so here's the thing though when it comes to uh organizations like freedom fest they're trying to become more of a mainstream wide-based big tent uh group where they want to bring as many people in which i think is fine because there are many groups out there um that are just fine with kind of dividing and dividing and dividing amongst themselves until they become smaller and smaller and smaller. So being able to uh, have a voice there and being a, a spoke in the wheel of libertarianism, um, but understanding the whole of it belongs to Christ is a wonderful position to be in. And uh, I just really enjoyed it. Other than having to walk everywhere and Vegas is so darn hot and so far apart from everything else, it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, for sure. So what, so kind of what were some of the other things that we saw there? Um, like, can I, can we go like, we've mentioned some of the other exhibitors. And uh, so let's, let's talk about exhibitors for a second. I do want to bring, you know, a special, uh, say a special note uh, about the independent Institute who was there. Um, I don't know if you guys noted this, but uh, uh, so the independent Institute at a table was kind of small, um, kind of tucked away a little bit, but none other than our friend, Mary Thoreau was there. And, uh, and uh, some of you will know, uh, if you've been, if you've been with us for a while, we are, uh, you mean Mary Ruart? No, no. Mary Thoreau. Oh, oh. The wife of, uh, our right, dearly David. departed David yeah. Thoreau, who passed away only a, just hardly, hardly a couple months ago at this point. And, uh, and so that was, it was great to see her. Um, I got to go give her a hug and talk to her for a minute and, uh, and just give her, you know, give, give her a little love. Um, because, uh, that needed to happen and I was very glad to see her. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, who else did you guys see? You meet anybody particularly cool? I got to meet Nick Gillespie. Finally. I, I did. <laughs> I did meet Ovens O'Brien for a brief oh, moment. Yeah. Yep. So, 
Uh, but it you was, might, you it, might need to provide the, the moment of context for that. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. um, yeah, Ovens O'Brien is sort of the outspoken, uh, pro-choice libertarian who, uh, holds that abortion should be legal up to birth. Um, she and I were featured on John Stossel uh, a few weeks ago, and, uh, we did do, uh, Doug and I did a, a little commentary on that, um, for the LCI podcast, but um, yeah, so Ovens and I met, basically met on John Stossel, and then we met in person here at Freedom Fest. So, yeah, I got a chance to actually meet uh, Eric with Texas. Yeah, um, nice. Which was interesting. The author of "Is Atheism Dead?" Um, and I got to ask him a question during his breakout session um, that he said made his eyes glaze over. So I feel <laughs> what did you like, ask him? <laughs> I will say, you know, his book is Atheism Dead is a great um, review of what a lot of people know as the fine tuning okay. uh, that the universe and life itself holds such a special position within the universe that just the uh, jiggery pokery of changing the, the dials in the physics um, completely destroys the chance of life on Earth. You know, the Earth is, Earth, the universe is expanding too fast. We have a superheated uh, universe. It expands too slowly. It cools down and collapses on itself. If, uh, you know, all of the aspects of, you know, having Jupiter in its perfect position, then it absorbs a lot of the uh, space material that uh, that draws in things from, uh, from all the, uh, the worlds and protects the earth you know all of these individual fine-tuning arguments that kind of shows that you know life on planet earth doesn't happen within 10 to the 90th power that's 10 times the number of molecules in our known universe so having that fine-tuning argument is a great argument and defense for uh christianity and for uh, uh the idea of intelligent design and I said, great, that's a fantastic argument, love it. At what point, though, do we start to say, hey, listen, atheists, we have the fine-tuning argument, we have presuppositional apologetics, we've got uh, evidentiary apologetics, we've got other argumentation that goes for uh, the creation of the natural world. At what point do we bring all these together for a compendium of books? And that's where he said, oh, you're making my eyes close up. <laughs> 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 so yeah, I feel uh, I feel somewhat smarter, but also stupid. Yeah, <laughs> well, can, interesting. All right, can I share something economics that I thought was stupid? Yeah, go for it. Okay, let me share. Oh wait, how do I share? Ah, I lost. Okay, so um, I I saw them long long time ago, but I never seen them physically. So I had the opportunity to see uh, gold bills which means in a type of polymer that norman was very excited about or what he knew about <laughs> he it. was he some really type was. of polymer they they create a bill a a like a regular dollar bill i guess we want to see it but, which wasn't the but, first time uh, norman nerded out as a chemical engineer <laughs> That's right. yeah definitely not definitely not uh, not even and, that week but it's, <laughs> you know so and um the cool thing about this type of bills is that you can actually put actual gold in small quantities. And you're talking about these bills that you, you guys can see right now, mm -hmm. they should be what, like about $2, $7 and so on and so forth. So that means that they're spendable. 
you can easily go out and buy something as long as someone accepts it as means of payments. And so the goal in the future is to take them to South Venezuela where they are using regular gold as means of payments. And so let's see how they respond to something like this because it's actual gold, but uh, together transportable and transportable yeah. in a in a in a polymer a sophisticated polymer material. So the word is that, has money. It has yeah. Let we're gonna go see what's the level of money is that this type of uh, mediums of exchange assets uh, that are developed by the market, not by the state. Uh, let's see what level of money can we actually get the, get it running. So it's pretty cool. Uh, it was a pretty cool experience and a pretty cool project for the future. So I really did like this. Yeah, that was an. They were an interesting exhibitor for sure. Yeah. And there were a lot of you know monetary exhibitors there. <laughs> they had they had a very clever marketing scheme. Yeah, yeah. Because you know they gave you the little fiat dollar bill and your name tag, and you go to their to their booth to redeem it for yeah. this actual gold back. So they gave you know if you went and redeemed it, you got the uh, the the one gold back. And then that opened the door to the conversation about how, well, dollars used to be these certificates that you got to exchange for, for gold or silver. And then Nixon came. <laughs> and said, well, I guess it was before Nixon. It was before Nixon, but yeah. at any he rate. He closed the gold window. Yeah, yeah he, he closed the gold window. He closed our hope. Yeah, <laughs> it was the last vestiges. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, there, were, there was a... There were a lot of just kind of standard libertarian exhibitors as well. The guys you kind of expect to see at stuff like this. We saw, you know, our friends from Fee. We saw our friends from Reason. Uh, Independent Institute likewise was there. Mises Institute was there, and uh, you know there was some, and, oh, a lot of Libertarian Party folks, and some other new organizations. Um, some I I mean this was not the first time to say, for instance, that the Tuttle Twins were there. I'm sure at Freedom Fest, uh, but they had a very nice table uh, that was uh, you know accompanied by the Libertas Institute. Uh, that that was uh, uh, that kind of helps their operation get off the ground. Uh, Scott Horton's group was there. The, just that's called the Libertarian Institute. Uh, mm -hmm. They're good folks, of course. Scott's a Scott's kind of a uh, we have a mutual love for each other. Uh, yeah, Scott was Scott was on a number of sessions and panels. Uh, he did a, he actually did one cool panel discussion with Kennedy and a, and another uh, gentleman who's an author uh, named Stephen Kent, uh, which was fun for me because the I can't remember the exact title of the session, but the book. Uh, was something akin to, you know, why the force will save us all, which is, I mean, it's mm -hmm. a really broad-based title, and I'm totally butchering it. Sorry, Stephen. Uh, but it's a, it was a book that kind of draws out the political and moral uh, and ethical implications of what's what of the Star Wars universe and <laughs> both classic and newer material, uh, of course. And and being a, a major Star Wars fan myself, I enjoyed that discussion. Scott was on that panel along with Kennedy. They had a good, they had a pretty good time talking. And uh, I thought we it was it was a fun dis fun panel discussion to um, to check out. Did you guys see any other panel discussions you thought were particularly interesting? Well, I just let him know that Qui Gon Jinn was the only true libertarian in this Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> You're kind of right there. That's hilarious. Oh, that's funny. Oh yeah. Well, what what other what other panel discussions have you, did you guys get to check out? Private Anything? cities. It's down my alley of you know interest. Yeah. So I, I went to ask them how do they work with uh, immigration in a private society. And what was the answer there? Um. Uh, Oddly enough, they kind of uh, got some ideas from me. <laughs> oh, well, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. And they were like, yeah, that's true. Um, the, the general idea that I've been working for a long time is that um, in 
free market situations, commercial areas are extremely open, even under very difficult and violent, violent uh, environments. They're still very open to all types of immigration, but residential areas are very, very close in a free market environment. Yeah, so I think Norman, I think you you mentioned it once it was like, oh, you can just see the gated communities. Like, yeah, it was, it's something part. that happens even now. Yeah, e even now, it and be so, more common. And so that's why the big discussion there's between the the open and the closed border uh, positions. Usually, the closed border positions, most likely conservative, culturally speaking, if you wish. Yeah. Uh, they'll in their mind they have their private life, uh, and their private areas, and they think, oh, wait, wait a minute, why are you gonna close? Why are you gonna open? Uh, the whole country, don't you see that in your personal life, you keep things, your personal property uh, real close. And then a lot of people say, well, the whole country is not your personal yeah. property. Uh, and on the other side, uh, the open borders, uh, the open borders people usually see commercial areas and say, are you kidding me? Like the free market is very, very open. And so I think both sides have to keep in mind that we are paying attention to only one side of the, uh, we're overly concerned because that's just what human beings do. We're already concerned with certain items, and I think both have some type of validity. And the problem is that with the state, it's very difficult to tease out uh, because the property rights are not clear, and that's why these discussions happen. And so, as far as I understood, they were uh, their plan as of their we're doing right now. It literally is when you get into the private city, the very entry it's commercial areas and it's super open, almost no checkoffs or nothing like that. But in the outskirts of the commercial area. You will have the residential areas where they're really strict about who goes in and who goes out. Yes, if it was like uh, gated, com gated communities, but the commercial areas are very open. And then from there, we can. I think if we use that framework from here on, the discussion of open and closed borders can actually be more profitable across both sides of the aisle. Hopefully, that uh, that will help out in the future. Yeah, to actually have a better theoretical foundation for what it means to have an open border and a closed border is pretty lost upon most people, it seems exactly. like. <laughs> All right. So uh anything any other sessions did you that you guys attended that were particularly interesting? I attended Go ahead. No. Um I attended the uh Wilder Summit, which is named for Rose Wilder Lane. It's the first year that that they're doing it. Um so I expect that they'll do it again next year. Um it's you know, center, it's essentially centered around women's issues, women's rights issues. Um, I think the, uh, there, so there were four panels. I saw three of them. I think the one that really stood out to me was the one, uh, presented by, um, the ladies of Liberty Alliance, um, which had four panelists, all international women, um, three of which were, uh, from Latin America. They had one from, uh, Brazil, Uruguay, uh, Venezuela, and then they had um, uh, a woman from India. And I think that panel was really interesting and illuminating because uh, they talked about, you know, issues particularly related to reproductive rights, obviously, mm -hmm. um, that are uh, that are unique in socialist countries and, you know, the, the problems that, that they face um, under socialism. So that was really illuminating, I thought, and gave a, a twist on a lot of the arguments that I would say American women take for granted. <laughs> um, so, uh, at any rate, yeah, that was, that was probably the most interesting one. Cool. Matt. Um, I actually got a chance through my work to be on the panel. 
um, in, in uh, regards to healthcare and the subversion of the healthcare system is very fascinating. Um, I being a part of a company that does healthcare payments very differently than traditional insurance. And so that was, uh, I was glad to be on it, very honored to be on it. But there was also two other gentlemen who were definitely more in the actual health uh, and body fields themselves, where they were uh, coming up with technologies that would um, change gene and hormone therapy. Uh, it was very, very fascinating. One gentleman had come up with a way to uh, use uh, different um, uh, stem cells that you already have in your body to lose weight and increase bone density. Um, so being somebody who could lose pretty much the size of Aaron, um, <laughs> I was, I was, I was curious about it and, uh, might want to look into that as well as things like medical tourism, um, and all the ways that you can subvert the current medical systems to actually make it more affordable and accessible, uh, to the individual. So it was fantastic. It was just great ways to see and hear people coming up with free market uh, responses to problems that people are having today and have real solutions to them. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Uh, I, I think I met one of those gentlemen who was doing the gene therapy work as well. And that he had, he and I had some good discussions uh, from, from one scientist to another. <laughs> that was, that was good. Well, and, and then of course there was uh, plenty to do in the evenings in Las Vegas. I don't know if, uh, it, you know, if, if you guys got to do, uh, well, we we were kind of really. What were you doing, doing Norman? <laughs> well, one of the things I got to do during the evenings was that one of, one of the highlights for me actually of the whole week was to go was to do the special uh, meet and greet with John Cleese of the Monty Python uh, troupe. Of course, is is kind of a hero of mine in the in the com comedy and creative space. Uh, that was super cool, and just I got a, I got to get a photo with him and. That was that was pretty neat. It was pretty neat. I know I will be the envy of many for years to come. So <laughs> Norman was glowing when he came back to the room, oh, yeah. and so like I couldn't even sleep because he was like glowing, and I was trying to sleep and I couldn't do it. <laughs> absolute happiness and joy uh, all throughout, like twenty four hours straight for it. Well, I almost that. got. I was almost able to get him to engage me in an argument. Um, I oh. offered I offered him a fiver, and it didn't. And he was like, mm, "No." I said, "Are you sure?" He's like, "Don't start." Okay. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> 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 that's it was, funny it was good it was good uh then of course you know once uh, we did have uh, some good times together as a team uh, and we had we had some a lot of sushi there was a lot of sushi yes. eaten <laughs> i think we we might have bought a AFP out and lci yeah. conspired to yeah, make so me we... not a sushi virgin anymore oh <laughs> okay those were, those were raw, raw fish was had no no, no fish, that wasn't me i'm we sorry bought no. out the i was you we no, pretty I said much you were like bought a out the entire raw fish market of Vegas. Yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it was it was fun. It was a good time I had by all. Well, uh, I hope that if you're listening here today, that you will consider going to Freedom Fest in the future. It was a lot of fun. We had a good time, and uh, hopefully, we'll get to do it again next year. And hopefully, all of us will meet back together again and uh, bring down the house. It'll be in Memphis next year, though, uh, not Las Vegas. So it'll be a little more barbecue, a little less sushi, I imagine. Um, a little more country music, a little less risque dancers, and probably a little more, you know, a little more, uh, you know, forest and trees, a little less desert, and that'll be welcome indeed, I think. Uh, I've had enough of Vegas for now. <laughs> I don't think I need to go back for a time. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, any any closing thoughts before we conclude this, fellas? Hearing none. <laughs> I, well, I, oh. I don't know. There's a boat about to go by that's very, very loud. But I did want to say that this was the time, actually, for the LCI crew to all be in one place at one time. And it was yep. really very special. Uh, I'm glad to be with you all. Um, I feel that the bonds of LCI can grow from here. We're no longer disparate, separate voices scattered all across the country. Uh, we do have a united front of a desire to see uh, this organization thrive uh, in these difficult times. Yeah. Well, thank you for that, Matt. I hope everybody heard uh, heard him and his uh, his growing, you know, assimilation by the robot overlords. Uh, <laughs> but no, that worked. That worked out well. But it, no, he's right though that it was a great opportunity to bring the team together. Uh, a special perk for us all, if you will, because it's not it's not often, especially in the past couple of years, that that's even been possible. But we made it happen. It was great, and I hope that you know, with uh, with with a lot of our supporters out there, that we, it'll enable the the crew to be more present at events like freedom fest where there's a lot of libertarians who are also christians who are going to be there and don't know that much about us but also this is just the beginning of something perhaps more and that is that we are very interested in trying to not only up our presence uh, and visibility in the libertarian movement but also amongst our fellow Christians out there who don't even know what a libertarian is <laughs> mm -hmm. and are still confused about the left and the right and so on. Uh, so we, we want to let them know that they're libertarians, although they don't know it yet. They don't know it yet. Yeah. They just, I mean, that, that is sort of the reality, right? And that, uh, so many people are just waiting for a better way to think and, uh, and to be provided with that, le that level of sophisticated thought is, uh, is what we're here to do. And so I hope that if you are not already uh, supporting us at this time at LCI, that you'll consider making us part of that, uh, part of your you know, support structure and where you regularly give and whatnot. Um, we're giving a lot to make sure that this happens. And uh, so we, and we do appreciate everybody who goes out and supports us even now. Uh, so with that, we, you know, we're, we're very happy to have done that and to be, you know, to the vanguard for what, for this movement, I hope. And so let's, uh, let's keep it all going, fellas. And with that, I think we're going to call it good for tonight. Uh, this has been the Libertarian Christian, uh, not the Libertarian Christian Podcast. That's our other show. <laughs> this is this has been Good News, Bad News, the Libertarian Christian Roundtable. And we've got uh, all of our friends here tonight bidding you a fair farewell.